Well, we're in a study. Right now we're going through a study. Who knows where we're at in the Bible? Where are we studying? The Ten Commandments. And which number are we on? Five. Very good. Anybody know what the fifth commandment is? Honor your father and your mother. That's right. And we're talking about, really, it's talking about much more than just that. It's talking about, in our culture, that we learn to honor and respect authority. And that's what we're really talking about today. You know, I hope you came in the door today with an expectancy to really hear from God. Because every time you come on the campus and come into this room, it's not about who's speaking. It's really about what God does with the word of God when it comes out. And I hope that you've come waiting and looking forward to hearing what God has for you personally and also equipping you to change the world you live in. How many know that there's, there's, there's no, uh, God puts you in that world, your family, your friends, your workplace on purpose? And that's to change it, to influence, to bring God's love into it. And I hope you're motivated whenever you come to church to change that world. And, and as we come into the world today, we're in the, we're in the Ten Commandments. And if just a little brief review, just to remember you that the Ten Commandments are not, uh, they're not negotiable. It's not a suggestion. It might, it's not if I get around to it, if I'm feeling up to it that day. You know, it's really the Lord saying to us, these commands I give to you to make sure that you live a life to its fullest. Because you know what? I want you to know that God is presented in this Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament as one whose heart's desire is to have an intimate, loving relationship with you. From cover to cover, it talks about a God who desires to have not a distant, casual insignificant relationship with you, not just it shows up every once on a Sunday morning or holidays or when you hit the panic button of life and go, God, where are you? He wants a 24-7, 365 love affair with you. And he sees himself as a, your father and you're his children. And he wants to make sure that that relationship is tight. And so when you hear the word today and you listen to the commands, because how many know that the people that you were, live with out there, you know, they see God some of those people see the Bible and God as this, uh, the rules, do's and don'ts, rules and regulations that God in heaven just can't wait to send some lightning bolts down your way for screwing up, changing your life, giving you problems. How many know that couldn't be farther from the truth? Farther from the truth. God couldn't love you more no matter what you did or have done. Couldn't love you more. Couldn't love you more. My son's sitting here, this fiance Brie, who I love dearly. But let me tell you something. I love that guy no matter what he does. No matter what, I still love him. And that's, the Lord says, compared to that, that's nothing compared to my love for you as his children. So when we look into the word today and look into the Ten Commandments, look at that as a backdrop that God's, you know, have you ever, I drove on Pikes Peak. Anybody ever drive on Pikes Peak in Colorado? Let me tell you something. You know what that road doesn't have? It doesn't have guardrails. Trust me, you have two options. Stay on the road or die. There's no in between. Seriously, that's true. And see, you know, when we look at the Bible and the Ten Commandments, you know that there's safety inside the guardrails? Rules are good. Rules are important. So let's look at it. I mean, so last four weeks, we were, we were talking about the first four commandments. And really, that was about our relationship between God and us and how God would like us to hang out with him, to treat him, if you will. 
The first one was, have no other gods before you. You know, love me, put me, I'm, I'm the one and only. You know, I, I read the Bible, but I'm checking out my horoscope too. You know, I like, I like the Bible, but you know, I'm still reading the, the teachings of Buddha. No, that's not what it's talking about. God says, put me first, period. And the second one was, put no idols before you. Back in the day, the Israelites, they would carve out of trees and oh, this is awesome. And we look back now, we go, how could you be so stupid? And we're thinking, but guess what? We put idols in front of us today. What's the number one idol in America today? Money. Money. Bingo. Money is the biggest idol. We spend so much time trying to earn it, to keep it, to spend it, to save it. We spend more time worrying about money than anything else. And we put money before God. Some of us might put our hobbies. You know, I've been known to golf a little. Some of you in this room have golfed with me. You know that we're a little serious about our golf, but you know, the, and some of you are really into surfing, can really have some great surf sessions when the waves are up. And we, the Lord says, don't, don't put that in front of me. Don't put your job or relationships or whatever, don't put anything in front of me, no idols. And then, then he said, the third one was, you know what? My name is powerful. My, the word says that his name is above all names. And that when we as Christians, his children use his name, we have authority that comes with that name. We have power to change any circumstances. And you know, you, you know what God told us to do? Don't misuse my name. That's the third command. Don't misuse my name. And the fourth one we studied last week was on the Sabbath. And God said, you know what? I created you. I think I know what's best for you. We need to have a relationship. We need to commune together, the father and their kids. So spend, take time, spend it with me, and rest when you do it. And in mini church this last week, I had my mini church and we, I went around the room. Okay, so how does the Sabbath look in your life? Oh, I'm struggling with that. I really haven't made time. How does it look in your life going around the room? And you know what? I found out we're all struggling with that. And I bet everybody looking at me right now struggles with a time of a Sabbath. And the Lord said again, I want to remember, remind you, this wasn't a suggestion. You need to make sure that you take time to spend with God. In, a, in, a, in some form of rest and worship. And today we start, the next six are really about our relationship between us and the seven billion people on this planet. As we read the next six, it's really about us and the people around us. And God said, hey, I'm gonna give you some command just so you all get along, that you all be able to behave, if you will. Didn't God make the most magnificent planet where we, you know the home that he allowed us to live? Isn't this the most unbelievable world we live in? No matter where you go in the world, there's such beauty. Didn't he do a good job? I mean, and what about his creation? You, I mean, we're the most, we're awesome. I mean, the mind is the most unbelievable thing. Our eyes being able to look around the room and recognize shapes and colors immediately and recognize people. It, that's, that's God. If you don't know that, I want you to know, the word says in Romans, the first chapter, they have no excuse for not knowing me because I made it obvious to them by my creation and by you. And so when we look at the word today, we're talking about our relationship between us. God's want to talk about our relationship between us and the people around us. And I want you to know that uh, the fifth commandment, I, I, when I went, to, uh, I went to International Bible School, for a couple years a while back. And, and one of the textbooks I had had such a profound, just a short paragraph on it, but I thought it meant so much. I want to read it to you verbatim. It says this, the fifth commandment is really the basis for our social relationships. 
the foundation of human society. Our destiny hinges on how we respond to this command. It affects our future. It affects how we process the past and how, and it also affects the here and right now. One of my dearest friends who used to go to this church but moved to the mainland was really the resident theologian here, Paul Bryant. Some of you know him. He is a very smart man, and he knows the word like I have never met anybody in my life could to teach. He was so, he could, he'll blow any professor away. He was that smart. I call him up. I say, hey, Paul, I'm preaching on the fifth commandment. And without even a breath, he went right into Rob. It is the most violated commandment of the 10, both in the Christian community and also in the world around us because we have lost our ability to respect authority. We've lost it. And he says, I want you to get that back. So if you would be so kind to turn your Bibles to, uh, to Exodus, the 20th chapter, put your finger there and then run over to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'll wait while you do that. I see you guys are taking notes. Well done. So if you turn your phones on, turn your iPads on, or if you have an old Bible like me, that's awesome. I brought my iPad up here, but I got, iPad, but I got it stolen, so sucks to be me. One more time. Very good, very good. Exodus, the 20th chapter, it says this, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long life in the land the Lord has given you. Did you notice that it came with a promise? This command comes with a promise. And how many of you know that when God promises you something, guess what's going to happen? It's going to happen. You can count on it. It says, love your mother and father, and you'll live well. It says this in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, a, a companion uh, scripture. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to God. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you, and you will live a long life here on earth. It comes with a promise. So today we're going to be talking about Children, and how many folks in here are children? Uh, that would be all of us. How many in this room have parents? Oh, wow, that wasn't a trick question. And it says this. So we're talking about honoring our parents, but we're also talking about being honorable. Because here's what it says in the fourth verse of uh, Ephesians 6. Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in discipline and instructions to the Lord. See, the, God has put parents in a place of authority to guide and instruct and to love and to guide them through life. We are the first authority any child understands at all. And this came apparent to me when I was young. I was like in fourth grade. How old are you when you were in your fourth grade? Nine, ten? So I was about nine or ten. And, uh, you know, I went to Catholic school. Uh, my parents were devout Catholic. So, you know, when you're in fourth grade, the older kids start teaching you the words. You know the words I'm talking about? The words you don't say around your parents. You know, those words. You know the words that you learn to gang a couple together for more punch? Those words. You know, you learn a few expressions along the way, too, you a few gestures that have a little something to do. Remember? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's the backdrop. And so I grew up in a house where my parents were Catholic. They went to church. They went to this parish church. I went to school in that parish church, Holy Redeemer. 
And any time there was a funeral at that church, I would require to go with my parents. And I was thinking back, I go, man, they were dying there a lot. <laughs> because how many know a nine-year-old, a funeral, a casket that's open, not good. You know what? You're there with me? Because for me, that was not good. I hated it. And one day, my dad comes racing in the room. Hey, Richard, Robert, I have a twin brother. Come on, get dressed. We've got to go to a funeral. And I do not know what came over me. I just, you know, I just wasn't thinking. Lost it for a second. And just a, just a response that came from nowhere, I flipped my dad off. You're right, that didn't go well. <laughs> it's true. And I was, you know, I was nine years old. I was an athlete back then. And I thought, I got some hops. I can outrun them. <laughs> and he wasn't in great shape. In fact, I never saw him run a lick in his life. And man, I, he was on me like now. <laughs> and how many know, and he's big man and I'm nine, you know, I'm 50 pounds, 60 pounds, sopping wet. And he jerked me and I go, yes, sir. I instantly knew. I was, you know, I, I better, I'm so sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. And to be honest with you, I, I did not know what I was saying to him. But I know one thing. He screamed at me, pinned me against the wall and said, you're to honor your father and your mother. You're to respect us. And you are disrespectful. And I remember that right now. Today, I remember him getting on me like that. And see, as young, par as young parents, especially young kids, that's where we begin. We begin to teach them honor then so that when they get older, they'll learn to honor authority. How many teachers are in this room right now? How many teachers? Broly, raise your hand. Yes. Let's give them a hand. School's gonna start in a couple weeks, so your summer is about to be done. <laughs> Sorry, and the parents in here going, yeah. So I have a dear friend who was a teacher, and she was telling me, I was actually praying with her because she was so distraught. She was disciplining a kid in love, but the child could not do something the rest of the class was going to accomplish or do that day because of that child's behavior over a period of a few days. So when the child went home and told his parents that this was happening, guess what the parent did? Came back and screamed and disrespected that teacher in front of that child. And he, she said, that parent said things that should never have been said to anyone on any level. Can I, can I just tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm old school? I'm old. You know, I'm, you know, I'm old. Back in my day, I went to Catholic high school too. Back in my day, if you got a line, and some of you might have experienced this, if I got out of line at school in that, back in those days, what happened to me? I got smacked, baby. And I knew that fact. I was pretty intimately involved with that paddle. <laughs> That's another story. Another story for another day. But if I got paddled and went home and told my parents I got paddled, what was going to happen to me? <laughs> Bingo. Okay. So, have we gotten out of kilter here? Are we out of balance as a society? We are. And you know what? I always want to make sure you leave this campus today knowing we can change that because God is working in us and through us. So as we begin to talk today, it's about really respect and honor and really realize that we can change things. 
It says, uh, Ron Mill, one of my dearest uh, friends, he was a pastor, a four-square pastor, a very, very famous pastor, actually, but he passed away. But he wrote a book called The Tender Commandments, a great read. And this is what he said, and I want to just quote it. This is what Jesus would be saying to you today. Would you honor your mother and father, the ones I gave you? And by the way, do you notice you didn't pick your parents? God did. It says, if you do these things, things are going to go well with you. And if you're careful to do this, I will honor your life. And I will bless your life and I will extend your life. But I give you this warning. If you don't, it's going to affect every fabric of your life. A friend of ours in mini church, she has a ministry at the women's correctional facility here in Kailua. And she went to a, a large meeting last year and they had all the uh, folks who were incarcerated, all the ladies that were incarcerated. And they said, how did you get here? What was, what, what happened along the way that would cause you to be in this place right now? And the overwhelming response at the end of the day, when they all put it down, brought it down to the simplest terms, they all said this, I didn't obey my parents. I did my own thing. I didn't listen to them. And look what happened. That, that, that word came true right there. The word of God just came true. It says, if you do these things, things will go well with you. If you learn to honor your parents and those around you in authority, God set this place up, this planet, our world, with checks and balances, with authority over us. And it's important. How many ever gotten pulled over? Is there any police? You don't have to raise your hand. That'd be bad. But look where we've come with even police officers. I, there are several police officers, and they all say, you know, I get pulled over, and the first thing I get screamed at, you know, I didn't do it. Yeah, I know. We never do it. Yeah, I know. I wasn't speeding. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. But you know what? We've, we, we abuse that authority. We do. Police officers, our bosses. If we, you know, our kids are going to grow up and get jobs someday. And we need to make sure that they respect that, that boss because what happens if they don't? They'll be back in your house. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to, so there's three stages. Uh, oh, I, I, I want to say something right now. Very important I say this because some of you are looking at me right now and I'm talking about honoring your parents and you're thinking, are you out of your mind, man? You do not know what happened in my house. There is absolutely no chance that's going to happen. And I just want to say to you that, you know what? Your parents probably did the very best they had with the limited resources they had. They might have had you too young. They were too insecure, too immature, too hung up on themselves. They might have been stuck to a habit that they could not get themselves out of. They didn't, couldn't or wouldn't. And you might have been feeling absolutely rejected. And today you are feeling bitter towards that whole situation. I want to say that today I hope when we pray at the end that you will find forgiveness in that and that you can be released from that if that's the case. But there's another, there's another group in, that might be looking at me was a much, much, much harder than that. You might have been abused physically and sexually by a parent and I'm going to say to you right now, they forfeited their ability to be honored. But I do hope you find forgiveness in the Lord. The Lord said, I am significant. I am enough for everything. In me, you will find peace and love. 
I am, I am the one and only. And I hope you will rest in that, that if you find yourself in a, weighted down by bitterness and, and all that comes with that, I pray that you find that today. But as we move along in the message, I just want you to know that it's really important that a very yearly, how many young families do we have in this family who are raising young children? Raise your hand proudly and boldly. Let's sit and pray. Uh, it's really, it really starts there at the young age. If I can just bring this to you right now, it's, it's important that you know that. That at a very young age, it's called, uh, it's called enforced obedience. <laughs> it is. It's called enforced obedience. And you know, a small child will always ask, why? Right? But guess what? They don't need to know why. And a healthy fear of their parents is a good thing. Let me say that again. A healthy fear of their parents is a good thing. By the way, in the word, in Proverbs, the ninth chapter, I believe, ninth or tenth chapter, I believe it says, I know it says, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember, this is not the fear like, uh-oh, I screwed up, I'm going to get it. No, we're talking about absolute reverent respect for the Lord. That children would have a reverent respect for their children, uh, for their parents. That they were taught that. By the way, how many know that a very young age just pre reciting the fifth commandment won't get you very far? <laughs> Not going to happen. I was in Safeway a couple of days ago, actually last week, and there was a. I was waiting to check out, and there's a long line, and there's a family behind me, and the little girl, she wanted some gum. So she, oh, right, you know, the, the one that just kind of gets you to buy everything right the way out? She puts the gum in the bucket, and the, bu the mom goes, poof, and the daughter goes, doof, and back it goes, and this went on, and finally she realized that probably that's not the way I was going to get that gum, so I'm picking plan B. Plan B was to scream at the top of her lungs as loud as she could, as long as she could, and she did. Everybody at the Akahi Safeway knew that that child was upset about something. So I was thinking, wow, awesome, mom, keep it up. It's okay, you'll get out of here. You'll win this battle. Okay. <laughs> what happened? She got the gum. So child, young child, probably three years old or so, note to self, screaming works. I got what I wanted. Wait until the, wait until the last, latest game, uh, game channel, the game, uh, what do you call them? Game, what do you call them? Game consoles come out. Wait until the latest phone comes out. Note to self, I can manipulate this. I got it. You think I'm kidding? Kids are smart. You were smart when you were a kid. Really important that you understand that at a very young age, they have to understand respect. Very young age. And again, I just want to make sure it says this in Proverbs 22. Direct your children into the right path. And when they get older, they won't leave. They won't leave you. And I'm going to say this, that we as parents really need to be a great example for our kids. Because guess what they're doing? They're watching us. They're watching us. And many in this room coach. We coach, coach athletics. And I'm so proud of you for doing that, that you're coaching your kids' teams. I coached my uh, son and my daughters in soccer and baseball and basketball for 12 years. 
And I remember the very first game, the very first game, my son was probably five years old, where the uh, coach pitched, was that minor B, right? Minor, so I'm out there coaching, and I played baseball all my life. I played sports all my life. And if you're my age or around my age, what did your coaches do to motivate you? you? They screamed at you. That's how they did it back then. That's how they did it. So I go into that first game. I'm all revved up. I'm the first base coach. Yeah, awesome. We're going to win today. I'm a little competitive. Some of you might know that. And, I'll, you know, I'm going, get down of the ball. I didn't scar you, did I? Come on, get that ball. You know, and my, and my dear friend, John, who was coaching with me, goes, Rob, 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 there are only five. You know, they don't get paid to do this. Just have fun. Calm down. And I realized, yeah, you're right. But I see so much. And then I learned really quickly, I got to calm down. This is not that important. But how many parents today still haven't calmed down? I would love to have gotten a video camera and gone on the other side of the field when I was coaching soccer and just take a video camera of the, of the parents. It was hysterical. Come on, kick the... Any word you want to use? Ball! <laughs> Come on, you missed it. Don't miss it. Hit it. You know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these kids are small. <laughs> Relax, parents. But what are we showing them? What are we modeling them? When we're yelling at the umpire, you, minor, you know, Little League, how could you miss that call? He's a volunteer. <laughs> he probably doesn't want to be there anyhow. He surely didn't sign up for that job. He got told he had to be there. And by the way, the balance of power in the world will not change because that child is out. But, we, but how fast do we get in instantly into disrespecting that guy? You know, we, I'm just saying, church, our responsibility as child, children of God with the Holy Spirit pulsing through us, we should change the very environment we are in every time we show up. If it's cold and judgmental, the fact that we showed up with the Holy Spirit pulsing through us, in us, guiding us, we should change the very environment to loving and warm just by our showing up. But when, we're, when our young kids, by the way, our young kids are watching us. They're watching. So for us to make sure that they can have a successful life, and how many of you need to know, you have to be able to respect authority to really have a successful life. You know, when, you're in the, when you went first got, signed up to be in the military, if you happen to be in the military family, boy, that's one of the things you learn in a really quick way. They're in charge and you're not. And they're going to scream and you better smile. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Inside, your wheels are turning. Five minutes with you, brother, and this would have been done. But you learn, you learn authority, don't you? Has it been a good thing in your life? Yes, you learned leadership. You know, you, the military produces some of the most awesome leaders, but they learned respect. So when you, that's, that's kind of the young age when it's kind of enforced obedience. Then we get into the teenage years. Any teenagers in here? Probably going, <laughs> well, that's, that's what we call, by that point, you should have willful obedience. You want to. You want to obey because of, of, the, of the relationship that you have with your parents. You know, there was a study done a while back that I read they interviewed 1,000 children and their parents. And they asked us one question. On a scale of 10 to 1, 10 being everything, 1 being nearly nothing, how, mu 
much does your parents know about what's going on in your life? Got the question? How old do you think the answer was? Okay, four, five, lower, three. Ask the same parents, scale of one to 10 to one, what do you think uh, the parents said? Eight, correct. Okay, and you're thinking, and the, so the, the absolutely the, the end result was your kids only tell you what they, especially teenagers, only want to tell you what they need, you need to know. And you're thinking, well, that can't be. Okay, just think back when you were a kid. How much did you tell your parents besides nothing? <laughs> Am I wrong? Here's an important, here's an important aspect of raising, uh, you know, when they're, when they're in the stage of, okay, so we didn't teach them early, so now I'm kind of having a struggle. It's kind of a, you know, we're kind of duking it out as, you know, they, they're, lo they're looking for their, ex hey, we were all looking to spread our wings and find our independence, find our way in life. We all did that. So, you know, you... The word just said that you cannot, out of anger, discipline your children, which we're going to talk about. But I want you just to know that the best way to make sure that your kids understand the authority is don't be their biggest fan. Be their parent. You're going, huh? Don't be their biggest fan. Be their parent. Because sometimes we, are, we just want to be friends. And you know what? Sometimes life gets so crazy. Both husband and wife are working. We're just trying to make ends meet. There's all the stress at work. I come home. I got to get my kids fed and school and to sports. And there you oh, just do it. However, in the end, note to self, this is working. The kid's saying that. So we have to, there has to be a, you can't be their biggest fan. You have to be willing to say no and have a fight. That parent in Safeway should have let that kid scream till, till he's blue. Seriously. She should have won that battle right there. Right there. So I'm just saying that it, it's important, especially when we're in, or, uh, great, uh, raising teenagers, that, um, that we understand that there has to be a willingness to accept and honor authority. By the way, starting tomorrow in this room is our youth conference. We're having a youth conference in this room. My kids, I have three kids, Paul, my son, Elizabeth, and Sarah, uh, all grew up in this youth group. And when it was time to go to camp or conferences or anything with the youth group, that was non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. I didn't care if they had a baseball game. I didn't care what. You are going. Period. Thanks for asking. Uh, you're going. And I can tell you that our youth pastors did a spectacular job of bringing my children and partnering with me to bring them up in the Lord. They all serve the Lord today. They all, you know, they all go to church and love the Lord. But I want you to know it wasn't all me and Deb, my wife. It was the youth group partnered with me. Those guys are serious about making sure your kids know and love God. They do. So if you, your children are giving you some excuse to not come to the youth camp, uh, it's time to reconsider that excuse. I have a dear friend. I'm going to push this point. I have a dear friend whose child is really off the rails who grew up in this church. But for him, his, that kid's baseball career was more important than anything else to the dad. And I would say to the dad, get him a youth camp. No, no, we got to play baseball this weekend. Every year, got to play baseball. Trust me. 
it went south in a hurry. He's not playing baseball today either, by the way, but neither is the Lord a part of his life. And I want to say to you, I encourage you, if you have kids, teenagers, or know somebody that does, make sure when it comes around to conferences and where we, as a church pastor, we do not go to these conferences just by hoping things are happening. We go with intention and strategically planning God to show up in those those meetings. Allow the pastors of this church to, to pastor your children. I'm just saying. And if if there is conflict in the home, I just want you to know that um, they're probably trying to sprout their rings and sometimes it's rebellious, but if you fight fire with fire, guess what you get? Thank you. Thank you. And God said that it's up to the parents to bring authority and guidance without anger. So I'm just saying, I I got some ideas in a second to help you do that. So then we go into adulthood. And so we get into adulthood, we better, we better know authority Otherwise, life's going to be sucking for us because we'll be looking for a job every two months. What do you mean I got to work today? Surf's up. You're on like on the schedule? (laughs) Big deal. I'm going surfing. You're fired. What? No, that's, you know, when we get to adults, we really need to, to have this down. But also we need to model. It's a big one for me is we need to model to the world around us, not just to our family, but to the world around us, how to respect authority. How does that work out? Well, if you're in the lunchroom at work and your boss isn't in there and all the employees are in there and you're out there and somebody's just disking that, that, that boss who's getting paid to be that boss, you might not like that boss, but guess what? What is that boss? The boss. The authority. We can't be, and you, by the way, at home too, you can't be, yeah, you can't be talking like that about your boss around your kids. I mean, you know, that's, you're, we got to model. When we're adults, we got to change the very culture we're in. If we're going to change it, we got to model it. And so you just got to make sure that we have to respect authority. And so you guys got to make sure because things will go well with you. Remember the promise? Don't forget the promise. Things will go with you, well with you. So when you're adults, we got to make sure we understand that, that we are above the word says in, in Romans, let me turn to it. I love this verse. Romans, the 12th chapter, it says this. It says, dear friends, so dear friends, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all that he has done for you. Let them be a holy and living sacrifice, the kind that is acceptable. This kind is a way of worship. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so sometimes the way we are brought up, for sure in my house, it was yell and hit and then whatever comes later. That was the way it was in my house. My dad, you know, never went to, I played baseball in my life, never went to one game, not one, zero. My mom went to the games. My, back in those days, what was the dad's job to do? Work. Very disconnected, very disconnected. That's why I'm so proud of the way that, you know, I look, I oversee the family side of this church with some dear friends, just some great team partner in this church. But I see dads so engaged in their kids and moms so involved in their kids' life, and that's awesome. Especially, I, I love to see the dads because the last generation, you know, my dad's generation, that was not happening. It, 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 you know what? I'm not scarred from that. My brother was bummed at my dad for a long time. I said he was doing the best he could with the resources he had and the examples he had. And that might be the same in your family. You know, they're doing the best they can with the resources and the stresses and strains and anxiety of life that brings us a day. So 
because the, the, the grace and mercy God showed us, we need to show others. But we need to model as adults. We need to model the respect for authority. So when you get pulled over by the radar gun, when your kids are in the car, you know what? You know, the expletives, your, you know, whatever comes out of your mouth when the kid's in the car about that, you know, I, wouldn't, that, I wasn't doing that. You know, I mean, we got to change that, right? The next thing, you've got to be honorable. You got to be honorable. It really says this in Ephesians 6, chapter, fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And it's an amazing thing. Every one of us, if we have multiple kids, you know that every one of our kids are different. Some are so compliant. Some are just stretching their wings at a very young age. But, you know, you, the best way to understand your kids is to really, each one of your kids, it will be, it, you'll be able to discipline them in a different way. One size doesn't fit all with all kids. Criticism for some kids is the worst thing in the world. And to a strong-willed child, they don't take it personal. Let's debate it. We can debate that. I don't believe you're right. But, you know, they're all along the spectrum. But I promise you, the Word says, Jesus tells us right there in the Word, anger won't work for you. Can I just give you a couple suggestions if house is kind of like that? The one thing that I did right, a couple of things I did right, but a lot of things I did wrong, so hear me out here. The one thing I did right is I, we, we put family night into our family night, uh, family when those, my kids were this small, big. Every Monday night was family night. That's the way it was. If you wanted me to show up to a meeting, it couldn't be on Monday because Monday was family night. And we, you know, you get to know the ebbs and flows of your kid's life. How many know that most of our teaching is caught, not taught? And fleeting, you know, it's times to really speak into our kid's life. You got to really pick those times. They're fleeting. You know, just sitting down, okay, son, I need a two-hour talk with you tonight. So about two seconds into it, he kind of looks at his watch and goes, is this going to take long? And you're planning this big speech, right? You got to be, you know, you kind of got to be waiting for that opening there when you realize their heart's open. And so, you know, when, you're, when it's built around fun and family night, the only rule we didn't have in family night was no TV. Had to be interact. Everybody got to take a turn at what we did. Had to have fun. Had to include everybody. Had to have a beginning and an end. So it wasn't going all night. But family night for us was awesome. The other thing you got to need to do is date your kids. Take them one at a time. Just find out what's in the depths of their heart. I promise you, let them pick the restaurant. Let them pick whatever you want to do. I promise you, things will go well. God said it would. And the other thing is, you got to spend time. You got to spend time with your kids. And now that you're adults, and, you're, and, you might and your parents are not spring chickens. By the way, when you're a kid, when, when you're a parent of small kids, make sure that you treat them well, because someday they'll pick your nursing home. But I just want to say that as adults, and our parents are getting older, the greatest honor that I see that's happening, and especially in this church, uh, is that we're allowing our, our parents to come and live with us. And how many know that is a very, very difficult situation? That turns your world upside down. I know it does. But I cannot see any more of an honor you could do for your aging parents than if they need you, that you're there. By the way, every one of us should not say, oh, I haven't talked to my dad or mom in years. That God would say that is not good. And you can change that. Just get on the phone, call them, talk to them, spend time with them, go see them. Because you know what? They would be blown away. They would be blown away. You know, and I know some of us are looking at me right now. You have no idea how strained this relationship is. I know. Life's difficult. I totally get that. 
I went through times with my parents too. I totally understand that. But someone has to take the initiative. And I just say to you today, please think about doing that. Let's pray. Lord, it's an amazing promise you gave us in the word that it says, if you obey my, my, my commands, that you will honor us and give us a life, the best life possible. And I pray that for each one of us in this room this morning, Lord, that we would be so full of your grace and mercy as we approach our children and our parents, that, Lord, those people, they would be blown away by our love for them. Even though things might be out of kilter, they might be confusing and destructive right now, Lord, I pray that your grace would just wash this congregation right now with your grace and give us the wisdom to make it right, if we're the parent to the child or the child to the parent, that we would be an agent, an instrument for you to use to change the circumstances if that's necessary, Lord, to honor our parents, Lord. And for those in this room, and it's probably the most of us who do honor our parents and love you for the parents we have, Lord, thank you for those parents. And right now, I just say, Lord, all of us together would say thank you so much for blessing me with those awesome, awesome parents. And Lord, if there's people in this room that are struggling with bitterness and resentment, of feelings of abandonment or guilt, I just pray, Lord, that your blood that you shed on the cross for us and the power of your Holy Spirit would from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet just wash us clean right now. Lord, my desire is that no one would feel guilty, no one would feel anything today but love for you who can change every circumstances, Lord. I pray for wisdom for this congregation, Lord, and anyone in this room who doesn't know you, walked away from you and wants to come back to you, Lord, who's never said, or those who have never said, Lord, come into my heart, change the way I think, Lord, change me from the inside out, Lord. I just want to give those people an opportunity right now to come to know you, Lord. The word says that you need to, we need to accept you, Lord, as our Father, and I pray that right now for anyone in this room. And how am I going to do that? I'm just going to count to three, and if that's with you, if you want to let, why every head's bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to raise your hand when I count to three because I promise you it's a life-changing moment. And I pray that you would think, consider that right now. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's what you want. Raise your hand loudly. Hi, raise it up so I can see it. Yes, I see you. Let's pray with me. Pray with me right now. Lord, I pray for forgiveness of my sins. I pray, Lord, that I've walked away from you or I've never accepted you. Lord, I pray that you come into my heart right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you'd come into my heart. Change me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I pray that you'd renew me. Let me experience you in new ways that I never had before, Lord. Let your word penetrate my heart deeply. I pray that the person I walk in this room and the person I leave are two different people. And I pray that in Jesus' name. 